Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Coming to you, as always, from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is John Mark Tolley, and joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, Garrett Jones and Will. Guys, how are you today? I'm fantastic. Yes, doing well, doing well. I thought I was on the wrong podcast, though, because I looked and I didn't recognize John with the... (laughs) the clean shaven look there i was like wait yeah where, where are yeah, we I, uh, <laughs> i'm john's evil tw- evil twin beautiful well, no wait no wait it's if you have the beard no you have to twin. have the goatee the for the yeah the goatee is the evil twin. okay so wait a minute we've been having a podcast with an evil twin wait a minute <laughs> so, ah. Or are we in the alternate universe? Oh, no. Well, <laughs> I, I've got to be stuck in some kind of limbo because I've got some kind of five o'clock shadow going in. There you go. You're, you're kind of you're, you're in the world between worlds. So <laughs> there you are. All right. All right. Well, we are, of course, going through our weekly look uh, episode by episode of the Andor series. And this week it is. So far, what I think has been the best episode so far, they just keep getting better and better in my in my opinion. Uh, episode six, uh, guys. I mean, the eye, the yeah, episode well, called the eye. The eye, yes. Oh my gosh, it, probably one of the best uses of of Lucasfilm style CGI I have seen in a very mm. long time. Oh my gosh. Mm. Um, if, if, for those of you who haven't seen it, holy cow, you are in for some some eye candy. I, I kid you not. It was oh. it was a beautifully shot episode. So we should just get this out of the way. There will be spoilers ahead. Yeah, don't so, don't listen to this podcast if you haven't. If you seen have it. not oh. watched it, first of all, why not? It's been how long? How long it came out Wednesday? So yeah, it's. Um, at this point, if you haven't seen it, you probably aren't going to see it. Uh, so, but yeah. <laughs> so um, some so predictions. <laughs> Did our <laughs> I, I I don't remember one of us said that not many are coming getting out of this alive. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and that was true. I mean, we were, were pretty much surprises. Um, you know, I think everybody who was supposed to die died. Uh, although there was one. Uh, character death that shocked the heck out of me hmm. and that was uh that was skeen oh well that yeah. came out yeah, the way he went i was i was i was a bit shocked yeah you know um just because, but then again you know when you think about how cassie and kind of off the 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 uh the security officer at the first episode it was kind of like sudden and you know yeah. without much warning just yeah. Yeah. it was yeah. just a, this one was a moment of calm that we weren't expecting you know so so i want to talk a little bit uh, we'll go into you know more detail as always we kind of bounce around the one character that i want to talk about a little bit just because of how it for how it was portrayed as an imperial officer was that Imperial, I think he was an engineer. He was oh. the one that when they come in, he was, he was the one that the, he was pulled, like a, pulled, was he looking yeah. at the telescope or no, that? no, he was the one when when they all burst in and they they have the the general or the admiral, whoever he was, the head of the, the base hostage, and and they have all his family sitting there. He's the one that pulled the pistol and said, 
let the let the family go. You know, oh, yeah. that was a very, you know, I think and someone else mentioned this in another in another show where in the past it's always been very black and white. You know, Imperials are either mustache twirling villains or they are people that are in the midst of changing from being an Imperial to a rebel. Like someone like Callus and Rebels, mm-hmm. where they're going through that change, where this is someone that he dies, you know, he get he ends up getting shot. But you can still see, even though he's an Imperial, he still has some sort of honor about him. He's a little bit of some... a of a moral code. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like right. it, it almost shows you just how that evil can just seep into everyday life. Well, you know? what's important to you know one of the things that this show is is sort of doing in in its in its own way is kind of establishing the fact that you know, like you said, there is this gray area, yeah. but. And and but oftentimes, like look at that conversation that was happening with the with the uh, IMP woman and and her assistant in the yeah. previous episode. I mean, the, the you know these people. See, I mean, you know, on the one hand, they're simply trying to get to the bottom of something. They see a problem and they're trying to solve it. But on the other hand, you know, they're working for this machine that is the Empire. And but I think a lot of these people get caught up in their own jobs and careers and. Yeah you know, moving up in it that they don't always see the big picture, yeah. you know, and that's where, but I mean, there, you know, the, yeah, that whole scene, you know, it, it felt like things were reversed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The one thing I, I, I like about the end or series overall is the way that it, it, it paints characters in the different factions uh, in lights that we haven't really grasped before, because mm-hmm. I mean, growing up, you always think, the rebel alliance good guys you know empire is bad and yeah don't get me wrong the empire in the way that they operate is awful um it's very exploitative of the various cultures and planets and worlds that they go to um and it's obviously led by palpatine who is horrible no no doubts about that but we're looking at what we're seeing is this this that whole thing that we've grown up with was a romanticized understanding of Mm. a very black and white good versus evil. And there are shades of gray throughout this. I mean, uh, I I don't remember where I heard it, but it's like uh, one man's one man's hero is another man's monster or something like that. Right. And and so we're, we're seeing that. So like, and, and, and or operates in those, those shades of gray and those in between, uh, you know, kind of like I do with the facial hair. Where uh, <laughs> world between worlds, okay. World between worlds, but we're, he he's operating in this in this this part of the of the galaxy where there is no clear definition. Now he does have a a, a strict moral compass. Otherwise, he wouldn't have shot Skeen for willing to for being willing to you know uh, mm-hmm. betray everybody just to take all the money for himself. I, I think that sticks out because he does have that code of conduct that he is willing to support the people that you know he needs to support yeah Yeah. but but the thing that that strikes me as interesting for this is that we see people on both sides who look like they could be the good guy or the bad guy like skeen we get this we got this opportunity you know in the last couple of episodes to get to know him a little bit better and it turns out it's just a big steaming pile of of you know oh yeah oh yeah on that, before you continue, um, what are your thoughts on this? When he says, right before he gets shot, 
by Cassian. He says, I don't have a brother. Mm. Now, are you, do you think it wasn't really clarified? And there's been a lot of discussion on the internet one way or the other. Do you think he truly didn't have a brother and that whole story was a lie? Or do you think that this is just how he is because his brother no longer exists? Or does it matter? I, I, I think what we get is a character who is very much a, he's, he's trying very hard to be a, that's what I'm looking for. Um, he's a survivor. Mm-hmm. And that's how survivors operate. It, it, there, there's no real dedication to truth or honor or anything like that. Um, the first thing that comes to mind when I see a character like this um, is if you've ever seen the movie Predators from 2010, uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character, he's been on this game preserve for quite some time. And while he shows some level of, of aggressive hospitality to the, the main characters, um, he eventually tries to suffocate them with, with smoke uh, inside his shelter so that he could steal, he, he can kill them very easily without them ever putting up a fight, only right. to steal their stuff because he's a survivor, he's a scavenger. Yeah. And I see Skeen as that kind of a character because, um, you know, for the, for the last few episodes, he is, uh, he is a character that is wanting to survive by any means necessary. And while Cassian understands that because he's had to scrape and, 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 you know, look for every possibility for survival on his own, he still has that moral compass in play. And right. I think what we're going to see between now, because if you notice that that moral compass seemed to be gone in Rogue One, and I think we're we're seeing how that kind of dissolves because yeah. it came back to him towards the end of that film. Right. He reminds me of um, not not Cassian um, Beckett. Oh yeah. Yes. He's very very much Beckett. Yeah. Very opportunistic. Yeah. Now yeah. another thing that another um, show. Not that I want to constantly compare to other things, but um, that I feel that this whole series kind of had a a little bit of a, a similar vibe to. I mean, I'll call it a vibe. I wouldn't call it direct, you know, influence. But um, have either of you ever watched Twenty Four? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if um, you know, now setting aside the whole like minute for minute, you know, hour by hour, you know, shot in real time, quote unquote, um, idea. Which really, that was the shtick of Twenty Four. Um, the character of Keith Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer, was kind of a morally gray uh, CTU agent, you know, quote unquote good guy. But he did some pretty uh, horrible, nasty, awful things, and some of his fellow CTU agents did. And sometimes there were mm-hmm. things that they just, you know, they did certain certain things to, you know, end the lives of this pe- these innocent people to save hundreds or thousands or millions of these people and they had to live with that they they didn't show them not you know suffering for that but it was just you know it it was it did harken back to that for me and um and 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 on top of that uh just the uh way these episodes kind of built up like generally speaking i mean most episodes had like some level of climax like this one like this series does except that the most of the climaxes that we got to we're definitely like we were calling it slow burn, so it was more of a dramatic moment, not so much an action-oriented moment. This this episode delivered on all sides, you know, it just gave us everything, and you know, it kind of felt like the almost like the end of a mini season, you know, like the they were working their way up to this mission. The mission happened, 
and now we're going to see what happens next and where do we yeah. go from here so yeah but uh, um and again i am i i have to i have to remember like there's so many character names i'm i have trouble remembering all of them uh i thought it was interesting the uh the young kid going through that crisis kind of crisis of faith oh, is that karis i think so yeah karis nemic only Where, to be to be crushed to be by crushed. capital by capitalism yeah <laughs> literally literally crushed, crushed by, by money <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, him being the true, you know, of, of all of them, you know, he's kind of put out there as a true believer, you know, he has the manifesto, he's kind of the, in many ways, I think I heard one person said he was the Thomas Paine of the group, you know, the true yeah. believer, the, the guy who's, you know, not necessarily the zealot, but he's the, you know, you know, he's got the, you know, all of the ideas that he, what he wants to do, and then everyone else has their own little reasons for why they're there. But right. you know, but him having, I thought that was a really interesting, and then Cassian's response to him that you know is like, does you know, does do, do we matter what we're doing here? Do we matter? And the, you know, he says to the Empire, you don't matter. You are nothing to the Empire. You're less than nothing to the Empire. You're right. just another. You're just another number. Well, yep. and I, I think that that stands out because uh, because the you know the empire is this huge thing, it's this huge entity, uh, yep. you know, in the galaxy. And yeah, while while they don't while while they'll look at the rebel alliance or any one particular individual as insignificant, you know, it's the same thing with you know when you have like say an ant hill and you, I mean, one little ant, unless you're highly allergic, it's not going to affect you, <laughs> but when you have tons of ants swarming up your leg and biting you in unison, mm -hmm. that's where you start having the problem. Yeah. And Nimic is, is one ant in the ant hill. Mm -hmm. But as, as the rebel Alliance is picking up steam and in, in over the next few cycles or years or whatever, that they're going to become a much larger problem. And while individually Nimic is, is nothing you know, he is representative of the potential danger of what happens when you have this, uh, this, uh, this crushing hold on the galaxy and you don't let people live freely. Well, was it that Leia said in uh, episode four, the stronger you tighten your grip, the more systems yeah, but... will slip through your grasp. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. uh I've been, I've been hearing and, a lot of, but, I mean, but you see like all these different people, like you have, like you have that, the kid, that kid, um, you know, the true believer, you have the a former stormtrooper, you know, yep. who's probably see, you know, he probably left because he's seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. You, I mean, you have, you know, Andor coming in as like the mercenary, you know, who's doesn't really at this point doesn't really have a a true stake in it. Right. Other than you know, I was like, yeah, I hate the empire. I just want to do, you know, make a few credits and get back, you know, maybe, maybe take a few pot shots at him, but yeah, you know, yep. and then you know, I don't know what the uh, have they talked about what the uh, the two the two uh, uh, ladies what the what their well, there was there was a Val and um, Val and it was the blonde Cinta. and then yeah. Cinta. Cinta and I and they they said they're the only other two others that survived. Yeah. Um, I guess Vel's going to be the one who delivers the the, the payload, and Cinta uh, ended up just kind of you know watching the the eye go by with uh, with the 
with the yeah, which, uh, yeah, it's, she's kind of stuck on the planet right now. I'm not sure what her, you know. I did not see Gorn get shot. I just missed it. I mean, it was so fast that I just yeah. They didn't make much of it. I was like, did they? Did he go? Yeah. It, well, I mean, and the other thing is, if you weren't paying attention, the commandant had a heart attack. Yeah. Because he yeah. put so much strain into doing all that heavy lifting. Oh, like talking about a guy who probably hasn't done any heavy lifting ever. Came in <laughs> and you can see, you can see how something like that, especially with that little boy, his son, how that could lead to him even hating the the rebels. Yeah, because they killed his father. Well, you know, I mean, you know they, rebels are terrorists. I yeah, mean, like well, depends on how you view it. it. You made the comment, you know, one man's, you know, yeah, freedom, free, you know, one man's freedom fighters, another man's terrorist. So no, it it does. It's a it's a challenging show, and yeah. and it and it does. You know, there's a lot of what would you do questions that come. You know, come by each each scene was a new what would you do. You know, like you know you have this. You know you th- and you don't stop to think. Like one of the things that they've done a lot in this show is to really expand upon not just the um, you know Mon Mothma having a family, and then you come into this episode. And you have you have the Commandant Jayhold who you know. You know, we don't, yeah, we don't really like him. You, the minute he, you walk in and he's, you, you, you see him in a scene and he's just referring to the locals in such a derogatory way that yeah. it's just horrible. So you've certainly established that you don't like this guy. Yeah. He's got no, nothing likable about him. And then he comes home and he realized that even he has a wife and a son, even though the son was a little bit, uh, uh, you know, didn't want to wear the imperial outfit, you know, it was definitely shade that could be you know on the one hand you said there could be shades of him growing hatred towards the rebels but then again yeah. it could also be like oh thank god <laughs> yeah yeah well, and the other thing is and this is where this is where the scope of, of science fiction comes into play just from a storytelling perspective science fiction has always been used to explore those philosophical questions of you know of, of right and wrong and looking at those shades of gray that we were talking about earlier and and exploring those different avenues because it's it's really kind of a, a neat thing that we're seeing this being done in Star Wars uh, on a much on a much bigger scale. It's much more upfront with this idea of who's really the good guy, who's really the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, definitely. You know this this kind of remind this whole thing of kind of viewing the Empire in a different light. Um, there was a, a a game that came out back in the nineties called Star Wars Tie Fighter. And what's that? I said I had that. Yes. Could never get it to work on the computer. (laughs) It was a a really good game, but the one I got came with a little mini novella. And Mm. it told a story of um, a a man who joins the Empire and becomes the TIE fighter pilot. And it talks about how it happened. And it was really, it was a really cool story is basically in a nutshell, uh, he was on this planet. He was a, a swoop bike racer on this planet that was racked by civil war. And the Empire comes in and basically forces the two sides to come together and negotiate. So in his mind, he looks at the Empire as a savior. They saved his planet from the civil war that was tearing the planet apart and brought order to chaos. So you have this whole, I you know... Yeah, you know, it just depends on how you look at it. Well, look at the look at from Obi Wan, the alien creature that gave him a ride. Yeah, you know he had the, he had the Empire uh, logo, you know, painted on the back of his of of his ship or his, his vehicle, 
And uh, you know, he's like, "Oh, nothing long, nothing wrong with a little bit of order around here." You know, it's, yeah. That's, and that's, even and that shows like a different you know view of even the stormtroopers because if you notice when the stormtroopers talk to them, they call them by name. They're like, "Hey, how you doing, buddy? How you, you know uh, you taking the load up to uh, wherever?" Oh yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. You know, so yeah, I think we you know it's it's especially with the with the stormtroopers, you know, it's, it's easy to you know sometimes just put them in, you know maskless, faceless uh, automatron, you know, automatrons. Well, I think that that, that, I I honestly think that um, we've started to see that um, explored with Finn, you know, with uh, the First Order. So, but yeah, I agree. I think that... And I love, I I, I kind of do, I mean, I've seen a few people complain that, oh, we haven't seen, we haven't seen stormtroopers. I like the fact that we haven't seen stormtroopers yet. You know, yeah, I I do. I like that uh, that idea that we haven't seen troopers. Yeah, we've seen we've seen the traditional helmeted uh, Tie Fighter pilots from inside their cockpits. That, that was, was cool. fun today. Them them climbing in. That was a cool climbing effect. climbing down because Ooh. I mean for for the longest time it's been like how did they get into those? How did they? How did they? I mean, the most you can see is from like you know uh, cut cross you know cro- cutaway versions in in like illustrated books and stuff of how they would climb into the ship yeah so they were faithful to that which i thought which i appreciated yeah climbing um, yeah through the top and then and i uh, love they even kept the 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 um the the cockpits and the little the heads up display was mm-hmm. was right from the original trilogy i mean well, i mean they, 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 yeah they they you know they know that people are watching with a fine tooth comb, oh, yeah. and those simple little things are easy fan service ideas, mm-hmm. you know that they can do, and um, you know, and they did it for Rogue One, so there's no reason to think that um, they wouldn't continue that for the TV show, and uh, yeah, that was great. I want to call I want to call out something else I thought was very interesting, and that was in the Senate uh, mm-hmm. towards the very end of the episode. When Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma was delivering her her plea about her her the issue she was having with um, that one situation, I forget what it was, but yeah. how first of all there was hardly anybody in the Senate, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and and then how you know they all stopped because they got this information about what happened. So she, mm. you know, which I got, I get that's kind of what the point of the episode or that moment in the episode was, but. I also wanted to point out something that I thought was interesting that in addition to there not being as many people there, there weren't very many aliens. Yeah. And that's something that they haven't really talked about in. Now I know that most likely that is a, uh, you know, budgetary concern. You don't need to, you know, create a whole bunch of masked characters or CGI characters for literally a 10 second scene. Um, on, in a, on a TV show budget, so I get that. But I also want, thought it was very interesting that you know we don't see many aliens in the Empire. Yeah. So well, I and, want, and I, I think that I mean going back to the expanded universe literature, you know, uh, Palpatine was notorious for while I mean publicly when he was when he was a senator and when he was Chancellor of the Republic, you know, he was he was very you know open about you know interacting with other alien species, but. Uh, you know, sticking with canon, and this, I think we're we're seeing subtle hints of that with this particular episode and this scene particularly, is that Palpatine was not a fan of non-humans, right? Uh, and that's what I was getting at yes, yeah. And so uh, we see that being applied that you have all these different worlds that are not human worlds, 
and they're losing their place at the table. Yes. Yeah. Well, I That's think also that scene also kind of showed the, you know, the, the Senate kind of losing its, you know, having lost its power. Right. And, you know, with nobody there, you can see how when, you know, in just a few years time, um, when the Senate will be dissolved, how no one will bat an eye because they'll be like, mm -hmm. well, it didn't really do anything anyway. It was a use. Yep. It was it, it was a toothless organization anyway. So, right. You know, you kind of slowly see it lose its power and, um, you know, kind of fade into no. obscurity. Right until the last remnants have been swept away in just a few yes. short years. Five years. So right. So yeah. it's uh, it's you know just kind of a fascinating thing to see how kind of this whole this little thing that starts kind of. And how all of a sudden it's blending in, it's not blending in, it's becoming kind of the, it's overshadowing a lot of else what's going on. You know, all of a sudden the Senate's talking about it. Um, all of a sudden, yeah. uh, Lucen hears about it from his customer. So, yeah. Well, even, the, even the ISB, you know, they have bring in a special, you know, oh, have a special meeting. Special meeting. Well, You're not you know, going home. Was... You're not going home. <laughs> I want everything by midnight. I'm like, oh my, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, you know, before it seems like, you know, any of these little attacks or anything like that have been insignificant to the point right. that, you know, nobody's, you know, this was the first, this seems like it's the first big attack that's from the, from a rebel cell that's got the empire, like, you know, kind of perking their ears up thinking, exactly. okay, this is something, you know, this is significant. Right. Yeah. You know, you got their attention. Yeah. Unfortunately, you got their attention. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's Unfortunately, the, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? You're there's now, good, now there's good there's good there's good news and there's bad news. Yes. The good news is we got their attention. The bad Yep. There it is. Exactly. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's that double edged sword, and I think that's um that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. So um, can anybody recall any other um, kind of tidbits, uh, Easter eggs? I mean, this this show is very subtle in their Easter eggs, which I like. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, other than you know the you know seeing the Tie Fighters, um, some of the sound effects I do appreciate. Yeah, like I said, this like, and I, like, like even the uh, when the Tie Fighter you see in the cockpit, and the Tie Fighters uh, got it, you know. Got a lock on and made that. That noise was, and of course the iconic, the iconic Tie Fighter noise. I mean, no, I don't think very few ships in sci-fi fantasy have that iconic where you hear it and like I could, I could not see it. I could just hear the noise of it. That whine. I'd be like, that's a Tie Fighter. That's a Tie Fighter. Yeah. Well, the other thing I, I think there's. One of the things I really appreciate about this one is just the attention to detail. Mm -hmm. I mean, while I've not been a fan of the the blaster rifles uh, that look like AK-47s, um, one of the things I've, I've really appreciated is the fact that, one, uh, the, the creators of the show could have easily just like uh, ignored whatever was being chanted or whatever language was being used. Uh, by the Aldani people, the Aldani mm -hmm. natives. Yeah. And, but they didn't. They didn't skimp on that. Um, and so it made this 
this random group of people who don't say much of anything, who don't really do anything other than hike up the mountain and watch the, the show, uh, you get, I mean, just the fact that they are having these conversations in a language that nobody is speaking right? without any subtitles. All it says is like in the, in the, uh, the closed captions is Aldani language. Or speaking yeah. in Aldani, and yeah. that's, that's they weird. did. They did have a close cap whenever the the chieftain was talking to the commandant, right? Yeah. And they did. They would have. Uh, they did, but whenever they were chanting and singing, yeah, they didn't have. Yeah, the, and so I, I thought that was really kind of a neat touch because you get that sense that you're you're an outsider watching mm-hmm. this spectacle alongside them, and you don't understand the significance of it for them, but you recognize there is a significance. Now, mm-hmm. speaking of that, do you, have you noticed in the last couple of last, I think, three episodes, we have not returned to Andor's home planet? Right. We have not seen that. We haven't had any more any flashbacks. Do you think we're done with flashbacks, or do you think that we'll get? Because it seemed really odd how it in, like you know it ended like there. We don't have any real closure of. Well, you still got the rest of the, you got six more episodes plus an entire season. So is it going to be done, done? Who knows? Um, You know, it's, it's hard to say. I will say um, I did get a little tired of the, of the chant. (laughs) I was like, learn a new chant. (laughs) Come on. No, but uh, no, not, not, not really. It was fine. Um, But um, I will say this guys, I'm not loving the music. I, as you know, I know I'm, 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 I'm not a I'm I'm a lone voice in that sometimes, but um, I'm just not I'm not loving this music. Of all yeah. the new TV series, I just am not. I I think the music, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. I think the music is definitely pushing the story in a very minimalistic and different type of way than any of the other shows that we've had so far or movies and and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing it's just not my thing you know it's just not something that i prefer and that's star wars Wars has always been known for its more bombastic musical scores and this is this is i mean while we have some of that especially like in the action sequence in episode three uh where you have those those driving guitar sounds uh, Mm -hmm. for the most part uh, we're not getting the bombastic feel that we have with previous I, seasons. I'm going to disagree with you there in terms of bombastic. I think Star Wars has been more – what I refer to with Star Wars, yeah, there's been a lot of bombastic moments. You're right about that. But I, I think what I'm talking about more is is a leitmotif, is mm. like where you have a theme that is associated with a character. And and it's not, and it's it's a trend and, and I might have talked about this in previous episodes or previous discussions of other shows, but there's a trend over the last like 20 years, really maybe 30 years, that's kind of kind of faded away from that, yeah. uh, which is fine. I mean that that's okay. It's just you know it's nice to have a theme. It doesn't have to be a, a huge um, blaring bombastic theme. It can be a very subtle theme. Look at Yoda's theme. You know, yeah. look, at, look at the look at the um, the 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 Force theme, you know, that they were using for any any number of Jedi over the past you know forty five years. Um, this, I mean, yes, moments can be very big, but a lot of times it was just very subtle. Look at all the music that took place with Luke and Yoda on on Dagobah during Empire Strikes Back. That stuff was very subtle, but yet still had a thematic quality to it that I felt was that's just not 
I'm just not hearing it here. Although I do appreciate that the opening segment with the Andor scene is different every week. Now yeah. I get, now I'm like I do find myself okay. What's it going to be this week? You know. So um, I mean I I like that. I like that they vary it up a bit. So yeah. nothing nothing again. I mean I I I think what's going on in the terms of the score is helping to enhance the drama of the story, which is a good thing. It's just as it's, it's as, a, as a score by itself, I'm not going to go out and listen to it. Yeah, yeah, no. it's, it's it's not it's not very it's not a very memorable. Yes, uh, thank you. Score like I mean, like I can I can you know recall you know most the uh, the key moments from like say uh, the music in uh, the prequel trilogy, or especially you know the original trilogy has so many so many uh, iconic pieces of music. Um, and even, even the Mandalorian has, yeah. uh, uh, you know, music, like you hear those first few bars and the, the, you know, the, the pan flute and it's just like, okay, yeah, I, I can, I, I can, I can now continue hearing that in my head as an earworm. None I mean, of these pieces are earworms. Like there's another, I'm mean, going to go off uh, Star Wars for a minute, but have either of you been watching She-Hulk? Yeah. Sadly, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Sorry if you don't like it. I, we've been loving it, but, um. The last episode, there was a very subtle call call out with music that I yeah. thought was was you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the Daredevil um, callback. Yeah, well, no, not Daredevil. No, there's the another X-Men. one. The no, X-Men? not, not even that. It was it was it was barely noticeable. It was when uh, the uh, Kevin, Kev, the computer, yeah. was talking oh. to She Hulk and mentioned. Like, can you please, like, because you know they're just they've totally obliterated the fourth wall at this point, and um, she he says, can you please, you know, we need you to to um, shrink back down to Jennifer, so when we have this conversation, oh, and can you do it off camera, because all of our effects artists are currently working on the yeah, next, they, the oh, next yeah, Marvel yeah, product, yeah. and all you hear is a little, <laughs> the, little the drums, and I was the like, drums. I pulled like the 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 Leonardo DiCaprio mean, I was like. <laughs> Black Panther, you know, and I just thought that was it was just a cute little moment that, but you know, you don't even and even Black Panther has its, you know, you know, well, it's got some decent. It doesn't that even doesn't have a huge amount of thematic stuff. It has more thematic rhythms, you know, and yeah. thematic that kind yeah. of. Stuff. So, but you still know it the minute you hear it. The minute you heard it, it was very unique to that. Mm-hmm. So that's just an example I was given. But again, nothing. It, it doesn't take away from the story by far. You know, it doesn't at all. It's just um, it's used in a very different way. Um, that is fine for the show and it's fine for the story, but it doesn't really do much to. Man, some people disagree. There are people that love the score. They talk like it's the best thing since John Williams, which I'm. I don't know. I, I even Ludwig Göransson, I would be like, um, and even he he escapes some of that stuff too, but but I still enjoy. But he but he still has his moments. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. That's all. Um, well, I mean, let's go uh, predictions. I mean, what do you, where do you think it goes from here? Um, in next episode, what do you guys think are some? Do you think next episode we'll? I think. Do you think we're going to have another reunion with uh, uh, Lur- Luthen? Luthen. I mean, it could go to something that I could see a couple of things. And again, um, predictions, not expectations. Right. Um, he could send him on another mission. Um, you could the entire second half of this season, 
could be another working its way up to another mission, could be with a whole different crew, could be something that they go back to his home planet. Um, there could be simply a cat and mouse thing with the, the Empire closing in on Luthen and Mon Mothma and all the characters and kind of Cassian being caught up in the middle of all that. Yeah. My, my per- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go first, John. Uh, my prediction is uh, we kind of well, I kind of mentioned something about this is I think you're going to have an episode where you'll start out with Cassian, you know, going you know going off somewhere, you know, um, taking that taking that that shuttle and leaving, um, and you'll have very little with Cassian now. I think that most of the next episode is going to be flashback. I think you're going to kind of him kind of you know, reconnecting and finding, I think you're going to get a, I think you're going to get a big flashback episode. You um, also remember he's got to find his sister. He's still looking yeah. for his sister. So I don't yeah. know where that's going. Yeah, but my, you, Garrett? Yeah. Uh, my, my thoughts are, I think what we're going to see here is if we do see any flashbacks, it's going to be something that's tied back to uh, a memory that's triggered by this mission and something that, that he recalls that he's maybe repressed and he hasn't thought about in the last 20 years. But my, my thought on this is that the next few episodes are going to see him trying to get back to, um, to, uh, or in, in connection with Luther or trying to get to a more safe, uh, area. And I think what he's going to be dealing with is, uh, Cyril Karn coming back into the picture. Cause we haven't seen Cyril Karn in like what an episode and a half. Right. He was only at the very beginning of the episode before this one, right? Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. like so we've got Karn who's obsessing over finding Cassian. And you know, he's this is a man who is who is driven by his ego. Like, I mean, the way the fact that he modified his uniform to make it look a little bit more uh, uh, official, to make it look more imperial, even though he's mm-hmm. not an imperial. He this guy is he's itching for uh for some recognition mm-hmm. right feel like bringing down uh Cassian is going to be the thing that does that for him and so we're going to have this this is the this is where we come into the cat and mouse part of the spy story because the first one that was the, the first half has been a heist building up to this heist we've had the heist uh the people that we predicted were going to die died with the, the surprise of of uh scene uh, yeah. <laughs> now we're going to be dealing with the, the real cat and mouse where Cassian is going to be trying to get back to Luthen or in, at least in connection with Luthen to get to a safe haven. Um, and he's going, but it's going to lead him in a direction that's going to connect him with uh, Saw Gerrera, obviously. Oh, that's right. Saw is in there. That's true. And, um, and Karn is going to be hot on his trail. Somehow he's going to have figured out and, and I think Karn is going to team up with that ISB uh, uh, operative who's looking for the uh, for the uh, FTL drive. Mm. Mm. I, I like that. I like that. That could that could you know certainly mo- he's certainly motivated to do that, Karn. Yeah. So well, it, it would be a means to an end for him. Yes. Yeah. He seems well, to be like, he's the character that would use other people to his own ends. That's like the entire imperial group, though. They all, you know, everything's a means to an end to, to advance. You're not wrong. <laughs> you know, but that's all right. So, I mean, do you think the if there, do you think one of those characters ends up turning good? 
do you think I don't think it's going to be Card, but do you think the the ISB agent that she turns out that she will end up she'll be the the third sister of the, of this of this uh, show? Or I, I in mean, the end she'll turn she'll turn on the Empire and maybe become a rebel. I don't see currently any motivation for her to do that. No, like she. Here's the thing. Her her whole thing. Again, she is. It's not that she is a diehard imperial. It's not per se. Maybe she is, but we haven't seen too much evidence of that. All she is is she's an investigator. She is an investigator. She. Well, you could say the same thing about it. Going back to Rebel, you could say the same thing about uh, Callus at the beginning of Rebels. He had no incentive to join the Rebels. Yeah, but all I'm saying, John, is that there hasn't been any hasn't story to yeah. show that she would even ha- care one way or the other. Yeah. Um, whereas with like with Callus, there wasn't any at first either. But then all of a sudden, there was like the minute they started breaking into his backstory, you know that you're gonna something different might happen. Yeah. Whereas with with this one, it's just too soon to tell either way. Right now, all I've seen is someone who wants to solve a problem. Yeah. Now, and and she and she sees herself as doing her job, and she wants to do it to the best of her ability. And she's got her assistant who kind of is giving her support. No, I can a- see. A, I could see a story with her where the more she digs into what's going on, the more questions she has, and the more she questions, you know, what is the empire actually doing? I could see a story like that where that could end up being her motivation. As the more she digs into everything that's going on the more she starts to question her own place, her own, you know, what exactly, you know, this is what I've been told the Empire is doing is, but in reality, we're seeing that. So I could see, a, you know, a separate storyline with that with her. I Yeah, it's I, possible. Go ahead. I Derek. can also see Sorry. one of the things that pushes her against the Empire is the fact that, A, her supervisor does not give a rip about her. Yeah. Um, but two, I think that the uh, the other ISB officer that she's in competition with is going to he's going to be a foil for her. Um, mm-hmm. And I because I the way that I see this going is uh, there's already a lot of uh, of just dramatic tension right there in that particular part of the story that it could be its own separate thing. It's uh, you know, it's kind of like the House of Cards type element with this show. Yeah. Because while the most of this has been like the 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 rebellion and the, the you know trying to you know find a way of hamstringing the empire in this one system and doing this one heist job, you know we've got this other side story where you know you've got this this competition between officers, hmm. um, and that's not. Right. Out, I mean, I, you know, I've been watching through Brooklyn Nine Nine for the first time ever, and there are you see that happening that that inner interagency um, issue happening where people are competing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever watch the show, there's a character called the Vulture who's, who's a major crimes detective, and he'll just swoop in on in, uh, on any other case by a different precinct and just like take credit for it and just take it over. Wow. Um, so, and so that's, that's not out of the realm of possibility, especially when you're dealing with something as big as the Empire where you right. have something like that happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we'll have to wait and see. We will. We'll All right. Well, this has been a, uh, a a fun, lively discussion. Look forward to 
episode seven on which comes out Wednesday. And of course, we will be back here uh, to discuss episode seven and see if any of our predictions were right uh, or if we were completely off. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a little bit of both (laughs) when it's all said and done. Episode seven will be a musical. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait for the musical version. I love it. All right. Well, Garrett, why don't you tell the people out there where they can find you at? All right. Well, you guys can find me at on YouTube. Uh, GK, uh, it's uh, youtube.com slash C slash GKJ Publishing, where I do, uh, I do book recommendations, author interviews, and creative writing tips. I, I will be doing a live stream uh, this Saturday, starting at 1 p.m. I, will, uh, I do all my live streams on Instagram, so you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at GKJ underscore publishing. Um, I'm also participating in a, uh, fun, uh, fundraiser. Uh, it really kicks off in November, but I, I, every year I, I participate in no shave November. So I'll be growing out my beard. I will no longer be for a month. I will no longer be in limbo. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm actually trying to, uh, raise money to kick cancer in the balls, uh, both literally and figuratively. I'm partnered up with the testicular cancer society. And so if anyone is interested, uh, they can connect with me and I can give them that link. And if they want to donate, the, the cool fun thing is whoever donates the, the biggest contribution gets to decide what I do with the beard. A couple of years ago, uh, the biggest contributor was my dad and he asked me to dye it pink and I dyed it bright pink. How <laughs> nice. 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 Uh, all right. Well, well. what about you? What are uh, Where can people find you? Or what are you up to? You uh, can find me always on YouTube, Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing Channel, Dr. Unboxing Show. Um, Sundays and Wednesdays when I drop main, main episodes, I'm starting to do a few shorts, meaning I just basically do uh, a, under a minute unboxing of a quick item um and uh that's uh that's you know basically where i am on at uh, instagram and twitter at darth tuba darth tuba uh on star wars unboxing page on facebook or email me at darth tuba 77 at gmail.com all right as for us you can find us on we are of course part of the red five network red five network.com for more information uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at warthestars1 at gmail.com. It is also our Twitter handle. Um, you can search War of the Stars on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Um, if you want to support the show, patreon.com forward slash War of the Stars or go to our spreadshirt.com store and just type in War of the Stars and you can catch us there. If you want to hear, listen to the show, we are, of course, broadcast live every week to Facebook Live. But if you're not able to catch us live, uh, you can find us wherever podcasts are listening to. Just go to your favorite podcasting platform and type in War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. You can find us there. With that being said, we will see you all next week. And as always, remember, this isn't just my Star Wars. This isn't just your Star Wars. This is our Star Wars. Until next time, may the force be with you. And also with you.